gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of Willpower. I am super excited that you're here listening to this right now. And to you listening to this, this is what I promise you from this conversation. I promise you a new level of understanding on what's really going on inside your mind when you're experiencing everything from being anxious to being happy and how your mind works and consciousness and thought and all these profound ideas, your mind is going to be blown by the end of this. And I really hope, uh, jokes and excitement inside, although be excited, I'm getting really hyped so I can grab your attention and get you into this. From this, I really want you to just pull out the ideas and the knowledge or the advice that you find is really valuable. And, you know, maybe you can implement that into your own life and hopefully get a, a new level of understanding on what's going on for you. And hopefully you find some ideas in here that can really help you with what you've got going on, whether it's any kind of emotional struggle or anything that's going on with your work or with school, family, relationships. Um, there's really some things in here that can help out with pretty much every area of your life. And um, that I re- I'm super grateful uh, that Holly, Holly Smee decided to come on the show and share those ideas. There's really some incredible passion coming from this woman in this conversation, and I'm just super grateful. And Holly is uh, the founder and director of Holly Tree Wellness Center here in Kalskar, and she's a registered clinical counselor. And she is just obviously so passionate about what she does and about helping people break past what they've got going on in their life and really see the good. And I really honor her and admire her for that. And I'm really, really grateful for her coming on here and sharing those ideas with me and with you. And without further ado, here it is. Tune in and pull up those ideas that are really going to help you. And thank you for being here. Um, For those of you listening, we were just talking about um, an experience I had at work where I had this huge rush of anxiety. That's something that I think a lot of people experience. And I'd really love to hear your opinion on that and like what that really is and then how you can deal with that. Okay, well, um, I have to do a bit of a ramble about that, but anxiety um, in many ways is adaptive. So it's this very old part of our brain that can go, watch out. And so sometimes I call it like the monkey on the back. The monkey on the back is like, are you sure that you can cross that street without getting hit by that car? Do you really have time? If we don't have time, it's incredibly it's incredibly helpful, I think, for a monkey to be like, you actually can't make that. Don't go run. Or um, monkey might also say something like, you need to do really well for the midterm. That's important. Or you need to do uh, really good on that podcast. Like, I can feel that my heart's a little bit fast. My blood's pumping a little bit quicker because it's meant to be adaptive. It's meant to give us fuel. And so... The problem with anxiety is when that's broken. So monkey is incredibly helpful by saying like, watch out, that might be dangerous, Um, that person might be dangerous, that situation might be dangerous, and then what the brain tells the body to do is two things. So one is run. Um, Sometimes I explain it to like tiger or T-Rex. If there's a tiger in the room right now and we didn't care, we were calm, our heart wasn't pumping, it wasn't putting all the blood into our limbs, we'd probably be eaten. But if we have all that fuel to either do one of two things, fight the tiger or run away from the tiger, it's more likely we're going to survive. So 
from an evolutionary perspective, it's meant to be helpful, but modern day living, it's sometimes not for not so helpful. So the context of anxiety, I think is a really important thing to understand with people. So if you were my client and you were sitting here and you said, you know, I've never had anxiety before, which I found that really interesting because most people can kind of get conceptually what it feels like to be stressed or anxious. What was the context? Because sometimes anxiety is the most appropriate response. And that can be really confusing. You know, why am I struggling with anxiety? Like, is it relational? Is it professional? Is it contextual? Is there something happening in the context of this relationship that my brain is actually trying to say, that's not safe. And so it's not always a uh, you don't always want to shut it down even if it feels difficult to deal with because it's supposed to fuel us to do a good job but if that's not part of your um, presentation I would say then I would ask you well what are you thinking about what was happening when it popped up for you so biochemical anxiety sometimes it just happens for people and it's an overdrive that's a little bit less rare than um, the usual picture that I see with anxiety, and usually that is often the person who's thinking really bad things. How do you break that bad thinking? Because it's like, for oh. me, <laughs> fun. Um, it's a thought that triggers it for me. It's just, it's a thought. Yes. And it's almost like I do it to myself. Yeah. So uh, when you mentioned wanting to talk to me about like um, some self-help stuff for teens, yeah. that's actually what I wanted to talk to you about because... What I find, especially with teen years, um, and sometimes youth can get this earlier than adolescents, sometimes adults get it really, really late, but understanding the voice is um, super helpful. And I call the voice the neighbor, but it's that little na 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 in our mind that goes on all the time. And so a big problem happens for people when they don't understand they're not the voice. So that kind of leads us to um, like ego work and I don't want to make it overly complex by trying to kind of ram a big uh, topic into a couple of minutes but all of us most of us hear a voice in our head thought right I have a thought I'm thinking about a thing and so if we think that we our consciousness is the I we're gonna have big problems so um, let me give you a scenario that would be pretty clear and pretty typical. I'm not enough, or I'm not smart, or I'm not pretty, or I'm not good looking, or I'm not funny, or I'm not big enough, I'm not thin enough, I have crooked teeth. When people start to really identify with the voice of the mind, they have more anxiety. So the brain is going to just generate thought. And um, I can't remember the research around it, it's something crazy like millions of thoughts per day or you know a hundred thousand thoughts per day it's very googleable all of us have these brains that like generate thought incessantly da -da 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 -da. you know the voice is always going but if we identify with what the voice is saying to us then typically we have more mental health problems so far so good mm. kind of makes sense yeah that makes sense so yoga meditation mindfulness, mm. um, flow. These are all practices that get consciousness to not completely be obsessing about what the neighbor is saying, but to actually bring awareness back into the body. Mm. And so 
the challenge I've found with teens is that until they know this stuff, they think really horrible things. Is that running off instinct, those horrible things? Like, where did the horrible things come from? I think part of it is um, hormonal. So adolescents have the mammalian brain developing. Um, and we have three sort of brain components. We have a lizard brain, which is like the reptilian brain. It's the oldest part of our brain. It has basic brain functions. And then we have the mammal brain. Um, that kind of does all the Fs, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. All of our emotions are in the mammal brain. And the mammal brain, the limbic system is actually developing in adolescence. So the brain develops from the bottom up. Babies are you know, learning to identify they have to pee, learning that they're cold, learning that they're hungry, learning to regulate sleep. And then teens, they have a mammalian brain developing. So their emotions are all over the place. And part of that um, system between the lizard brain and the mammal brain is a piece called the amygdala. And the amygdala is the fire alarm. So above that, we have the human brain, which is the cortex. And all of the good stuff um, that we associate with being humans, that's in the cortex. Mm. So language, logic, linear thinking, reasoning, problem solving, uh, the brake pedal in the brain, like the part of our brain that's like, don't do that. <laughs> like, don't don't tell your teacher to go get stuffed. Like, you're gonna get you're gonna have a problem if you say mm. that. Don't do that. Mm. When the amygdala goes off, it cuts off the access to the good part of our brain. Mm. Because in terms of staying alive, if a lizard, if a T-Rex is chasing you, who cares about math? Your whole system is going run, and that's what we call anxiety. Wow. I'm going to fight you, or I'm going to run from you. Uh, a deeper, much more terrifying response is freeze. It's called playing dead in animals. Um, or fawn, which is like, I'm, I'm going to fuss over you so you don't eat me. Um, but once the amygdala is off, and the brain goes, okay, well, we've ran from the tiger. We're no longer in danger. Then we can go back upstairs and access the human brain. And that's where the good stuff is. That's why when we're, you know triggered and fighting with our partner, we say things that we would maybe never say when we're calm, or somebody takes a swing at somebody else, or you flip the bird at a cop, or you know something that you would never normally do. It's because the brain is, the amygdala is going off, the fire alarm is going off, and from the perspective of the brain, the only thing that the brain cares about is, you're in danger, like you need to get out of here. Mm. And so anxiety is fear. And so what anxiety tells us to do, you, you mentioned something earlier interesting about needing to take a break or go for a walk. If I'm anxious, I, I move. Mm. Anxiety tells us to move. Yeah, and uh, it, it's cool that the connection be with like physiology and how that can change your state. So then when you get into a good state, I find for myself when I get into a good state, I'm able to access more of those higher faculties, those human parts of the brain. Yes, um, you can go upstairs. Yeah. Once you make the lids off, you can go upstairs. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> running, actually jogging, exercise. Um, I really like spin. I like lifting weights. Movement. Movement. Yeah. It, it's essential. It's as essential as, you know, vitamin C if you want to be healthy, not because of anything to do with body image, but because we are mammals and we forget that. We have biology, we're mammals, and anxiety says go. And so I know I have quite a few really close friends who um, 
they're able to actually fully manage a severe anxiety problem um, just through exercise or running. Because the brain is saying, run from the tiger. And so if you do that, then the brain goes, ha, 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 look at that, right? We got away. Whew, amygdala hmm. goes off, and we come back to being a, a whole brain creature. Wow. <coughs> Excuse it's me. It's interesting how the brain can trick us. It's almost like the brain and... Uh, the brain and you, like your identity, it's almost like it seems like it's two different things. Like, where does our identity come from, from your um, your studies with the, the human mind and with people and your practical experience with people? Like, where does our sense of identity come from? Well, that's a complex question. So um, the ego uh, is a word that we all hear. You know, that person's very egotistical or egoic or... Um, but what people it, that are like full of themselves that's like come off as like arrogant, arrogant or yeah. haughty um, but you have an ego I have an ego so the actual um, sort of correct meaning of the word is the mental filter of the mind and so it gets incredibly complex because the I voice that we all hear me myself and I I mean everyone walking this planet is kind of me myself and I all the time <clears throat> that's the ego and so if we start to really identify our sense of self with the ego, we can become problematic because <clears throat> one of the best ways to articulate this point is to think of if you can stop what you're doing and think about your thoughts and notice when you have a thought or if you can notice um, if the thought is positive or negative, so let's try it together. I'm going to close my eyes. Mm -hmm, me too. I want you to close your eyes. And then just wait. And the next time you have a thought, I want you to open your eyes and go, okay, I, I just had a thought. I just had a thought. Okay. <laughs> Do you want There's to a bit of a delay there. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was supposed to say it right away. Yeah, well, I th my thought was... He made it a long time. That gap before he had a thought, that was my first thought is, oh, Will just, Will did really good. Will made it a long time. But it sounds like you had the thought quicker than you said, okay, I had a thought. Yeah. Okay, so what, can I ask what the thought was? Or do you feel comfortable saying it? Am I supposed to it? say something? Yes. Okay, great. Can you notice there's an I in there? Yeah. So the next thought for you is, am I supposed to be saying something? That's the ego. But here's the tricky thing about it. Consciousness is the person that can track the thought. So you know that um, that quality, the awareness that you felt until you went, am I supposed to be saying something right now? The, am I supposed to be saying something right now is the ego, but you, the real you, which is interesting about sense of self, um, you're not the thought. You're, you're the awareness that's aware of thinking. And until people don't know that, it's kind of a complex thing to figure out, actually. Like, you're clearly kind of advanced with some of your thinking to even be able to understand that, because sometimes I say that to people your age, and they're like, they're really confused by it, or um, it takes them a while to grasp that concept, or they're not even aware that they've had neighbor, right? But as soon as we can go, oh, yeah, I probably made it five or ten seconds before I had a thought, and my thought was, I wonder what Will's thought will be. That's who you actually are. And so... Am I supposed to be saying something right now is no different from 
I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not whatever it is that the ego wants to say. And mm. so when we believe what neighbor is telling us, great if neighbor says nice things. If neighbor doesn't say nice things, we have problems. And so sometimes my work is helping people how to um, be nicer to themselves. Or with anxiety, it's usually a matter of challenging what neighbor is saying. Do I know that that's true? Mm. How do I know that that's true? So asking yourself a question. Yeah. And like really looking at the evidence of it. Like, is there any evidence I'm in, da I'm in danger right now? My microphone came off. So what we just happened? had a little bit of a technical <laughs> difficulty. Here, I'll plug that back in. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We can always cut that little section out too. It's no problem. Um, continue with what you were saying. That was really cool. Very yeah, interesting. Yeah, so um, here's my number one trick as someone that's 42. I almost 42. I wish I knew at your age, I wish I knew at 25, probably at 30, I started learning this stuff like sort of late 20s, different books and stuff. I really wish somebody told me not to trust what I think. Mm. That's been actually hugely life-changing for me. What does the voice say? And um, let's really look at that. Like, is there any evidence that that thought is true? Because the ego wants to say all sorts of things. And if we've had a difficult childhood or we've had trauma or anxiety often I find can be learned, right? Catastrophic parents have catastrophic kids because as the brain is shaping, the parent is always pointing out the danger. Mm. Watch out, watch out, what if that happens? What if that happens? Mm. And then the ego is like, oh my God, what if I get hit by a car? What if I break my foot? What if I bomb that test? What if I, you know, and the brain is, the ego is like so riddled by fear rather than going, I do a lot of work that's like, do we know you're gonna get fired? Mm. Is there any evidence you're gonna fail that test? Do you fail all your tests? Did you not study for the test? Are you bombing the class? Uh, do you not know chemistry, right? Did you not prepare? No, I did all those things. Well, how do you know you're gonna fail? Well, I don't, <laughs> right? And as soon as we can do that, then mm. we can kind of go, oh, I'm not quite so fearful because monkey is like, you're gonna fail, you're gonna fail, you're gonna fail, right? You're gonna fail. Fight or flight. Yeah, yeah, watch out, watch out. You're gonna get an F. Like, you're gonna yeah. get kicked out of school. And it's like, come on. Have you ever been kicked out of a class? No. I mean, I can hear the um, energy just sort of in my voice of like those two make-believe scenarios. One is I'm talking really fast, you know, and I'm talking with my hands. And, mm. my ch and the other one is like, come on, that's not gonna happen. Mm. I'm not gonna fail that test. I've never failed a test in my life. So if you can get that, that that fear response out of the way, can you then decide and create what you want? Because that's yeah. something that I've experienced learning more about practices and controlling. Um, well, we don't control, I think, is just an illusion. We don't really have that much control, mm -hmm. I don't think. Um, but once that gets out of the way, that fear, it seems like you can, that we as humans have the ability to decide and create what we want if we can get that out of the way. Totally, so yes, especially you, fear. Yeah, fear is especially, fear yes. Yeah, because fear is so limiting. Mm. So, um, sorry to cut you off. No, my 
favorite acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. So if uh, if my monkey and my ego is saying, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, and it's meant to be adaptive, like, that's theoretically really dangerous, right? No, actually it's not. Public speaking is not that dangerous, you know? Mm-mm. And by doing it, I'll learn that it's not so scary, and like, by taking that risk, opening a podcast, right? That must have been intimidating at some point. Like, mm-hmm. had you listened to the fear that maybe said, you can't do that, clearly you can. Mm-hmm. So fear fear can be, it's meant to be adaptive, but it can be incredibly limiting because this old, old part of our brain, right? The lizard brain really came from when we adapted from lizards. It's meant to keep you alive. Mm. But in the modern world that we live in, not so helpful and so Mm -hmm. our sense of self if we think the sense of self is the I voice is the ego and the ego is saying false things it is really limiting who am I to do that who am I not to do that why don't I just try and see um, and see what happens Mm. but I'm not sure if I just went on a tangent there. I just mm. had the thought that I went on a tangent. There was a did, thought there. There was a thought there. Did I answer the question or did oh, I totally. take it in a different direction? Oh, there were like, it's weaving all around there. It's going in many different directions, but it's, yeah, we're, it was all focusing on fear there. So once you get past fear, what's on the other side of fear? Oh yeah, that was your question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this, yeah, I don't think I asked that before, but I'm curious to hear your perspective on that. Like what's past fear, if you can get past fear. And experience the positive and good emotions. That's great. It's it's, it, it's amazing when you can sit in those positive emotions, and it seems like everything else, your actions, everything you do, everything around you, kind of becomes better. Whether you believe in like the law of attraction or whatever or your your belief is on that. For mm-hmm. me personally, I found that when I get past that fear and I'm in a good state, good things happen. That's what I believe. Um, absolutely. Yeah, you have a fuller life. Um, and also, authenticity is found mm. on the other side of that. So who you actually are. Mm. Authenticity Wh- is actually something I wrote down is what I wanted to talk about, so that's great. Yeah, your real sense of self. Because this is the important thing about, um, this is the other side of that quarter about not over-identifying with the mind. So your I voice is going to say various different things, but that doesn't actually mean who you are. And so you, the real you, the authentic you, the, the, the you with um, integrity is, that was the consciousness that you were aware of when you were waiting for your next thought. Mm-hmm. And so in that space is who you actually are. Does that make sense? Yeah. On a really deep level? Yeah. That's who you actually are. And so sometimes I kind of explain it to people too, like this is a mind and an ego riddle, but... Um, can you tell me who you are without using a thought? I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Nobody does. I'm giggling because I, I know the riddle and I've asked this to people before and they go, I'm... Because no. I'm taking it I'm taking it literally. I don't know how to... But clearly here you that. are. Yeah. So clearly you exist without thought, right? Like, well, who would I be if I wasn't named Holly Smee? Or who am I if I'm not a therapist? They're kind of deep thoughts, you know, which shows like how much of our identity is is wrapped up in these mental filters. Mm. Yet under all these mental filters, there's consciousness. Mm. And so 
authenticity is who we actually are without all the mind games. Mm. Um, you know, maybe in my truest essence, I'm not a therapist. Maybe I'm a musician or, or an artist, and I've been conditioned to operate this way in the world, right? And so when we can drop the labels, because labels are very much a construct of the neighbor and the monkey mind, and kind of drop the chitter-chatter, we fall into that space of who we actually are. Mm. Good things come out, too, when you're being you. Yeah. And I think where it can get troublesome is when you have a, a limiting identity for yourself or some limiting beliefs, things that hold you back. Yeah, those are the beliefs that I say challenge. How do you know that's true? Right? Where's <laughs> like, the evidence? Yeah, where's the evidence that that's true? Because um, we all have these belief systems, and some of them we were fed to us by our parents, mm -hmm. um, and some of us we just picked up from society, mm -hmm. right? What a man is, what a woman is, what we should look like, all that sort of stuff. Those messages are everywhere. Mm -hmm. So if we start to think all of us have been... Um, brainwashed and conditioned maybe a lot of the things that you identify as you being you are actually your conditioning mm. and so um, therapists who are trained in this line of work that can kind of help people deconstruct their belief systems how do you actually know that's true about yourself like maybe that was true when you were five but how do you know that that's true at 55 is that a belief system you want to keep carrying around? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have these automatic thoughts of things we think are true, but when we look at them really closely, we kind of figure out, that actually, you know what, that's bogus. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been telling myself that story for years, but it actually doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And then people are willing to kind of let it go. One of my favorite little tips for automatic negative thoughts, because we all have them, is... When the neighbor says something harmful, and I think we all have what I call an inner critic. Um, some people have what I call an inner punisher, mm. right? But when I get an inner critic thought, rather than jumping onto it and believing it and, you know, letting that thought go on a horrible little 30 or three hour ramble in my own mind, I just calmly go, oh, there's that thought again. Mm. Mm. that's just a thought it's like interrupting the thought or like kind of interrupting the pattern yeah or not over identifying with it yeah. and just going oh that's just a thought like I'm having pizza for dinner because I am today that's just a thought until I'm actually eating the pizza or I want a ham sandwich mm. or uh, it's cold <laughs> or I'm having fun right now mm. they're just thoughts it doesn't mean that like we have to jump on that thought train and create an identity around it and keep thinking the same thing over and over and over again. So mm -hmm. you had talked about um, what's on the other side of fear. And the beautiful thing about that is um, beyond fear is the space where we can kind of be who we actually are without judgment and, and all things are valid and equally beautiful, right? Some people are musicians, some people are philosophers, some people are artists, some people are helper souls, some people are caretaker souls, right? Some people are parental, right? Some people are builders, some people are architects, like they're all equally beautiful and amazing. And I do think we get to experience um, more positive uh, emotions 
good things can do happen. We grow and expand because fear is very limiting. Fear and anxiety tells us avoid, avoid, avoid. And so if we can kind of go, okay, I don't want to live in fear. What's beyond that space of fear? Then you're right. We have all these other um, beautiful potentials of things that can happen to us. But uh, there is an important point that I would make with you that I make with everybody that I work with and that <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of pathologizing the emotions we describe as being negative. So um, negative emotions are generally, if you look at the brain, they're self-protective. Anger tells me somebody's violated my boundaries. Mm. Right? Where people are like, the thought is like, I can't be mad. Mad is bad. No, what you do with it can be problematic. But if you didn't allow yourself to feel, and anger is trying to say, hey, someone just violated your boundaries there, it's kind of an important thing to know. Uh, resentment is a sign I haven't been violating my own boundaries. Mm. Jealousy shows us what the heart wants. Mm. Right? Sadness shows us that something is out of balance. Depressed often, I think, is like deep rest. Mm. It's like full shutdown in the brain, right? We go into the lizard brain and just kind of sit there. And so what I hear a lot from teens is, I don't want to feel my feelings. Or how do I not feel my feelings? And so they try to stuff them. But the problem is when we start not feeling our feelings, we also don't feel the, the great ones. And so living a life of contrast, I think, is really important. And really actually stepping into our negative feelings. Because if we stop and actually feel them, inside the negative feelings, there's self-knowledge. And so there's an immense amount of learning that can happen from people when they go, you know, well, I don't, I don't want to feel this. I'm just going to, you know, shove it away, drink it away, overwork it away, medication it, rather than, whoa, this feels terrible. But, like, I'm going to actually stop and feel it. And what do I feel and where do I feel it? Because um, inside that negative space, our body is actually our friend and usually is trying to tell us something. Mm. But I also want to be mindful of people that have sort of true, severe, ongoing mental health um, challenges. Because if they're living in a state of panic every day, then it's a little bit more complex than just feel your panic and, and see what it's trying to teach you. Mm -hmm. But um, feelings are biochemical messengers, right? They have a front door and a back door. They should come through us. They should come and go. Mm -hmm. And so not letting in any in or any out is really harmful, mm -hmm. but it can be quite an interesting and enlightening way of living if we just stop and feel our feelings as they come and learn um, about what it is that our body is trying to tell us. And then if we're able to kind of learn how to do that, because all of us are going to have a hard time in life, it's just, that's life, like life is hard, we're going to get all the feelings, you're right, then you get all those highs and all those joys and all those blessings but you still will have contrast which means you're still going to have bad days mm -hmm. and on the bad days I believe we learn from our feelings we also learn from our thoughts which is why I tell everybody like care about what you're thinking about mm. what am I thinking about what am I thinking about I asked myself that probably 10 to 15 times a day wow so it's an ongoing practice for you yeah what am I thinking about? What am I feeling? Yeah. What am I thinking about? What am I feeling? And so, so that questioning process yeah. within yourself. 
Yeah, questioning the ego, right? Because yeah. if I work backwards, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm really sad. Right, I'll notice that like I'm really down. And then I'm like, oh, well, what have I been thinking about? Mm. And neighbor, <laughs> neighbor has gone on this three to four hour tangent yeah this spiel this tangential narrative around how you know blah 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 the blah 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 the brain and it's like well yeah i feel really sad and it's like well yeah of course i feel really sad i've been thinking really horrible things for four hours so Mm. that kind of makes me circle back to my original point is Mm. like notice who you actually are is not the actual thought itself if you can it's get, thought. yeah, yes. I'm not the thought. I have thoughts, but I'm not the thought. Mm-hmm. Then real magic starts to open up. Yeah, and it's really, it truly is magical when that starts to open up. Yes. Because I've kind of, I've kind of dove into this, um, just seeking this kind of knowledge. And, you know, I've, I understand a little bit about what you're talking about. Not fully, because I'm, you know, I'm just kind of beginning this. Um, but the other on the other side of here, there really is some magic that happens. There really is, and it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, and I know. Um, I don't want to simplify, make it sound simplified, because I've been studying it for twenty years. I think, like I said, like this is actually an incredibly complex topic. <laughs> you know it's it's it kind of trips me out sometimes yeah. and it actually freaks me out thinking about how complex it is yeah it's and i think huge. that actually triggers anxiety <laughs> for me when i think about how complex it is yeah. sometimes even that thought for me can trigger that and i'm like well what who am i you know what's going on it's like what is thought it's like what's real you yeah know? yeah and that's where it gets a little bit confusing for me so for you did you ever have a time where you experienced a lot of that or do you have um many do many st- do you still today um, or is still, I, yeah, yeah, I still do. And so ego, ego doesn't like it when we disidentify with the ego. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we might believe something or be all in and invested in something and tell ourselves a story about something. But when we figure out that, and this kind of is like the awakening territory. I don't know if you've ever come across that online. People are like dark night of the soul and the awakening. And when we figure out that what we've been telling ourselves is a lie, and there are um, a lot of different reasons why we do that. It's really jarring. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought you were this person. <laughs> You're mm. not this person. Or um, in my mind, I made you to be that person. All the evidence was there that you weren't there, but I didn't want to mm. see it, you know. Mm-hmm. Or I was, the ego was so attached to this idea that you were the one for me, right? Mm. That when I realized that you're not, it's soul crushing and like, it all kind of comes down to the mind and so all the spiritual teachers the mental health field yoga enlightenment awakening they all actually come back to the same kind of root philosophy Mm. and um, when we start to be able to grasp that we are not our thoughts it can be a very confusing experience Mm -hmm. and it can provoke anxiety like whoa that's really deep Mm-hmm. That's such a paradigm shift. I don't even know if I understand it. And I've read book after book after book, you know, and like YouTube video and like different ways of kind of looking at the same thing because um, kind of like you could put a three-dimensional shaped 
object in the middle of the room, and if you have 15 people looking at the same object, it's going to look a little bit different to everybody. Hmm. But it's the same object. You're just looking at it at a different way. Mm-hmm. We kind of have our own filters on what we, uh, how we perceive something. Yeah. Yeah. And I do find um, it really is at the root of a lot of mental health problems. And so one of the ones I really like, I like different type of therapeutic modalities for different reasons. Um, but a great one that's, you know, everyone knows about that's quoted over and over and over again in the research is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is cognitive means thought, thought means ego, right? Like really challenging the automatic thoughts that we have because the brain doesn't know the difference between something real or something imagined. So if I put you in an MRI machine so we can monitor your brain and you eat a taco, your brain is going to light up in a certain way. And then if we put you back in the MRI machine and you're just daydreaming or visualizing that you're eating a taco, it's the same brain firing. It's amazing. That is so amazing to me that we can do that. Yeah, it's the same path. Isn't that, you know, like that could be a powerful tool. I think that is a powerful tool to create what you want or at least the feeling that you want. And also um, absolutely understanding you're creating the opposite <laughs> right so that's By imagining what, what you don't want to have happen yeah, yeah or imagining a terrifying scenario so a lot mm. of with my kids with anxiety I tell them I'm like anxiety is a frightening future fantasy mm. you're having a mental dress rehearsal of something horrible and then going oh, this feels so anxious and it's like of course it does you're imagining a really scary thing knock it off <laughs> and sometimes they're like what do you need and I'm like you're having a frightening fantasy in your mind. Stop it. Because your brain is going to light up like it's happening. Or Magic Johnson, Tiger Woods. I mean, all these amazing people. They're like, I visualize playing the game perfectly before I play it. Because it's the same as the taco. Whether you're eating it or imagining it, it's, it's the same brain path. So you can use your own mind as a beneficial friend. Or you can use it as a foe. And unless it's biochemically caused mental health problems, usually people catch on pretty quickly what I think about matters and what I'm visualizing matters. And so if I don't want to be depressed and anxious, I need to stop visualizing and thinking about really crappy things. And sometimes they need help doing that. Mm. How do you do that? Like, what are some uh, some practices that you do, or some some ways to to better do that? Is you know, like visualizing what you want to have happen, because I think that's like really crucial in you know um, feeling good and having what you want to have happen actually happen. Well, I'm a big um, daydreamer, right? <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm pretty introverted, so mm-hmm. uh, it might be easier for me to dream I seem to get a lot of possibilities in life like I can see possibilities where other people can't I'm like let's move to last week I had a fantasy going about moving to Germany because that's just what my brain generated I was like we should go do a PhD in Berlin and like I would take my tiny dog and I would walk the streets and I could see it all in my mind so when my brain is seeing possibilities and good things I just let that run Mm. I find it for me and everybody's really helpful I find it better for me to have strategies about how to stop the scary movies. Mm -hmm. 
right? So for me, it's not a matter of like, I'm going to visualize, you know, doing well on that podcast. For me, it's like, I'm going to look for the evidence that the scary movies are not real. Mm-hmm. And one that I find really helpful is called the rule tool. I use the rule tool a lot. So each letter stands for a statement. The R is realistic. The U is useful. The L is logical. And the E is where's the evidence. And if I have a scary thing happening in my own mind, then I apply the rule. So I would go, is that realistic? Right? Is that actually a realistic thought? Like, remember, <laughs> it makes me laugh thinking about it, but once camping, I was really terrified that aliens were going to land and <laughs> I was going to be abducted. And that's what my brain was generating. You know, I couldn't sleep. I was lying in the tent, way out, Arrow Lakes. Like, and you, did you feel a response in your body too? Yeah. yeah. I was terrified. Yeah. Right? I wanted to wake up my boyfriend at the time and be like, what if, what if is always a cue that I'm having anxiety. What if aliens abduct me? So that's, it's funny now, 25 years later, but I was really scared. Yeah. But I was scared because I was having this frightening future fantasy of it happening. I was visualizing it. So is that realistic? Probably not. <laughs> no. You know? I believe in extraterrestrial life, but like the chances of them coming into Kassigar and abducting me from a tent, it seems really silly now. It's probably not realistic. Mm-hmm. Is it useful? Yes and no. Sometimes the you is kind of a tricky one, right? Like if the brain is like, is it useful to kind of be concerned, like, can I pass that car? Do I actually have enough time, right? That might be a bit of useful anxiety. Mm. Maybe I don't have enough time to like run across the street without getting hit by that car. Mm. Or that little voice that's like, um, you sure you want to do that? You know, sometimes it's, it's a bit of useful anxiety. Um, L is logical. Mm. Is that logical? And I've had some women with um, eating disorders come back years later and say, you know that L in the rule tool? Really helpful. Is it logical one cheeseburger is going to make me gain weight? No. If I eat cheeseburgers every night? Yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's an analogy that I use a lot because um, it's happened on multiple times and it's a good indicator, right? That is not a logical thought. Mm-hmm. My house is probably not on fire right now. I usually will jump to the L or the E. The E is kind of... Uh, my own favorite, just based on what neighbor can say. Where's the evidence? Mm. Where's the evidence that thought is true? It's like a system of thinking almost. eh? It's a system of checking out. Mm. So like checking out a library book, it's like checking out a thought. If the thought has power over you negatively, you're going to want to look at it. And um, I also will kind of do, where's the evidence that thought is false? So I'll actually look at both sides rather than just assuming, oh, that scary thing is, you know, that's a true thought. Um, So, like, where's the evidence that person loves you? Do they show up? Do they check in? Do they help you? Do they care about your well-being? Or where's the evidence that they don't love you, right? Usually the mind will kind of generate its own brainwashing based on the past. Mm. And then um, that's why I do a ton of childhood trauma work. That would be like a whole other podcast. But childhood trauma um, gets in the way of how we see the future. And so ego, the mind, 
wants to retell the same stories using the same maps that we picked up from the ages of zero to seven. Mm. So if we felt unloved, it's very easy to tell ourselves or watch for the story that we are unloved. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Kind of on a really deep level. It's mm-hmm. like, well, maybe I felt that way as a kid, but like, is that true now? How can we like, we hold on to that for so many years? Brain maps. Connections in the brain? Yeah. Are they, are they uh, yeah. Actually, do, they, do they become physical, like, neural connections? They the do. Brain? Yeah, they do. Um, they become maps. Yeah. So we have, like, wound maps and love maps. And so the research says from the ages of zero to seven, and there's um, a bunch of research about in utero stuff, but w- you know, us feeling what our mom felt. That's also a whole other discussion. But zero to seven, children zero to seven, they're in theta. Theta waves are trance. So we have alpha, beta, theta, delta, right? And we we all go in and out of trance actually every ninety minutes, whether we know it or not. Really? So daydreaming is so trance. Trance state is like kind of not really in the moment, um, sort of daydreaming. How would you describe it? I sometimes feel like trance state is consciousness without ego. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Without yeah. thinky, thinky, think, 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 thinky, think. Like worrying about what other people are thinking or worrying about what you're going to do. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. That's also like ego. That? And like fully in the moment. And so I think you're a musician. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that there's something called flow? Flow state, yeah. Yeah, there's no thought. How, right? do, we, how do we tap into that more? That's what I want to know. Go into flow. Go into flow. What am I doing when I'm in flow? I'm listening, right? I'm, I think I'm a helper soul, right? I'm not thinking right now. Like, I'm so into what you're saying. Like, oftentimes when I'm sitting with clients, and I probably get this really weird, creepy stare, but it's like, I am, like, tracking. I'm not thinking. I'm listening. I'm watching your eyes. I'm watching your breathing. Like, neighbor is, like, not speaking. But that also happens when I play the piano. Mm. Or when I'm painting, like, painting, right? If I'm painting mm. an art picture... There's no thinking. I'm fully in flow. Ego is like not needed. And so theta is, that's trance, right? When we're like fully in the moment. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Zero to seven, we're not really thinking. We're just, the brain is like kind of, um, they say like taking pictures, learning through pictures. Snap, 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 right? Absorbing, absorbing. Because there's no way that it could consciously process all of that data so it just absorbs it and it creates these little maps and what fires together wires together and so we have these automatic super highways Mm -hmm. that we go firing down and it doesn't mean you can't learn a new way of being or thinking but anything new takes conscious effort because you don't have the wiring for it until you create it Mm-hmm. Like when you first start playing a guitar, it's incredibly complex. Where does the finger go? Mm-hmm. What is this chord? How do I write? And then the more you play it, um, it's kind of like creating a path to a trail, to a road, to a highway, to a superhighway, to an autobahn. <sighs> oh, C, right? You can make the C. Boom. Mm-hmm. Your, your hand goes like you can do it without thinking mm-hmm. because you have an autobahn that says, yeah, just play the guitar. I can put it down for five years, pick it up and play it because you have the map for it. Mm. And so you have the wiring, right? You have the neural wiring. And so it's the same thing with our beliefs, 
and feeling states as a child that we carry forward into adulthood. And sometimes we need to decondition the mind and new, uh, learn a new way of being and thinking. Mm. And that's, uh, you were talking about beliefs earlier, and that's something that I want to ask about is that new way of being. And then, you know, once, once you kind of deconstruct the old way of being and understanding what's going on, you know, it's, it is possible to implement a new way of being. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. That's where um, the fun begins. That's where the fun begins. And yeah. my job would not be possible if, um, I didn't constantly see everybody getting better. Yeah. You know, but when people are really willing to like do the work and like come mm -hmm. out of their like automatic robot suits, <laughs> right about who the world told them to be and mm -hmm. who, who are they actually, you know, mm -hmm. and challenging their thinking mm -hmm. and um, do behavioral change. Like cognitive behavioral therapy is like, okay, we'll change your thinking, but also change your behaviors. Mm -hmm. And then you get a different feeling state, but like, okay, well, I'm not going to run, but I can try and like walk every day, get my heart rate up, because I know that's helpful for um, anxiety, mm. or I can learn a new skill, mm. or, you know, maybe I don't have to watch horror movies, I can watch cartoons mm. and laugh and like make sure I get social time once per day, right? And I can um, get up and get dressed in showers and feel good about my appearance, even if I feel like I want to die on the inside. You know, I can try and sleep at night and be awake during the day. Like, um, those are all behavioral things that we can do that help us feel better emotionally anyway. Mm. And then if you couple that with um, learning to challenge your thinking mm. and not believe everything you think, it was actually a book. Have you ever read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle? Yeah. It was that book. In my 20s, I started going, wow, okay okay, I get it, I'm not my thoughts, mm. right? I'm the person that monitors the thoughts, kind of, maybe I made it up, maybe it's an analogy in the book or somewhere else, but it's like the thoughts are the clouds, you're not the clouds, you're the sky. Mm. So we, when you can start to track, the clouds just come and go, and come and go, and they're going to change, <laughs> you know? It's never going to say the same, they just come and go, and you don't have to get totally overly attached to you know, what the clouds look like. Mm -hmm. um, and the ego world, awakening world is like, again, you're not the clouds. What do you mean I'm not the clouds? You're not the clouds. Just notice the cloud. Mm. Um, people just live more full lives. Mm -hmm. Once you, like when you don't identify with the clouds or the thoughts, yeah. They're just thoughts. The One of the things I liked uh, in that book was the things, or he mentioned... Uh, pain bodies pain bodies when uh, when you start to have like a negative thought or associate with a negative identity he called it like a pain body when you start to experience those negative feelings yeah that was really interesting they say feelings should last 90 seconds mm -hmm. within reason I mean there's always you know grief and, and, and horrendous trauma and death and you know things that we're going to feel longer than 90 seconds but mm -hmm. If we actually ride that sort of feeling wave, that neurochemical change, it should be 90 seconds. Mm. And so um, what we don't feel, here's the tricky thing is, uh, and this is a whole other field of study, but the body keeps the score. Mm. And so what we don't feel didn't really go away. Mm. <laughs> we, just, we just didn't feel it. And so sometimes it's trapped in the body. 
and then we get all sorts of other problems, right? We start suppressing our feelings, and we have digestive problems and headaches and unexplained pain and chronic pain issues and migraines and, you know, skin issues and autoimmune because the body has like all these things that we've sort of avoided feeling. Mm. They're, they're still there waiting to be felt. They're just trapped in the body. Like mm. PTSD can go into the body. Mm-hmm. It can get very trapped there. And then it can go into the physical, like you mentioned, pains, migraines. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, stomach, right? Digestive stuff. People can get like chronic constipation or diarrhea because they're just, they're holding on to everything. You know, their body is just like riddled with trauma and feeling and emotion and you know um, the thing that's beautiful about this field for people that are interested in it is I could say full heartedly I mean I've been studying this stuff for gosh in some respects teen years right and then you started this all the way back in your teen years yeah younger than you like really getting interested in like that's really cool paranormal and like energy and like the mind and like yeah. I remember being like 16 and reading about like telekinesis and oh, telepathy cool. and science experiments in Russia and like how does the mind work right so you that's just so curious about how the mind so works so curious that's cool yeah, I sure yeah like for sure energy right like yeah. that's weird like how is that yeah it's really fascinating you'll study and study and study forever <laughs> so I feel like if in this topic you know, mental health, psychological health, energy, bodies, emotions, like, and we're really coming at an interesting time of research and that we're starting to, there's some really amazing research coming out, like Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza and, you know, weird things that, he's so cool, like, how the mind works and how the psyche works and how the consciousness works and you might really like a guy named Bruce Lipton, his work shows that the cells of the body respond to thought and so what that's almost similar sorry to interrupt but that reminds me of uh, Deepak Chopra you probably know him too. yeah Deepak Chopra's great yeah Bruce Lipton's a little bit more scientific he took um like uh what's the word I'm looking for like embryonic cells stem cells yeah he took one stem cell and he put it in three petri dishes mm-hmm. thinking they would all cells divide and replicate thinking that all three dishes mm-hmm. would have um, the same life force mm. but um, by accident they discovered one turned into bone mm. one turned into like tissue or something like that skin mm. and the other one turned into cancer mm-hmm. and then what they started finding the research showing is that the environment instructs the cell on what to do so mm. that's the field of epigenetics but also the cells of our body respond to what we're thinking about Mm. so these people i call it stinking thinking the people Mm. that do stinking thinking like you gotta knock it off you gotta stop that Mm. because the cells of your body are listening Mm. and they they really the cells really do respond to what you think and so one way we can take mastery over our own life um not to simplify it but is again to be hyper conscious of like what am i thinking about do I know that that's true? Am I absolutely sure that's true? What does my body have to say about that? Like I'm a big believer in kind of ask your body, ask your heart because the mind has duality and can give a thousand different answers. It can, it can look at something a thousand different ways but the heart is like yes or no. Hmm. 
And so when people want to listen to their mind rather than their bodies, I find they have, um, they're actually slower in treatment. They don't progress as fast because the mind will, depending on the day, it will say all sorts of things. But the body is like, back away. Mm-hmm. I don't like you. Mm-hmm. Or, wow, come closer. I feel really great when I'm with you, right? And so if people don't kind of know to listen to my heart, like, what does my heart have to say about this? What does my body have to say about this? Mm-hmm. And they just want to live their life through the mind, forgetting that they have a body and the body is incredibly intelligent. Like, you cut yourself you don't have to do anything your body knows what to do and so there's a lot of intelligence in there that we can be our own healers yeah Yeah, i don't have to think about it if you're hurt i mean even if you break a bone Mm. whether you see a doctor or not i'm not saying don't see a doctor if you break a bone but like your body knows what to do that's such a it's a profound way of thinking about it honestly it's really cool we have that intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Actually, as I'm thinking about it, it's kind of blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we need reminding of it. I mean, I, I, this even came up for me last week. Like, I'm constantly looking at my stuff, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. Well, what does my body say? And so I kind of closed my eyes and was like, body? How does this feel? Mm. And one option felt light and open and expansive. And I was like, and body? How does this feel? Ugh. Mm. Like, right away, I felt tight in my chest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, that was the thing that my mind told me to do. But my body was like, no, Mm -hmm. no, that doesn't feel good. That feels tight when I think of that. Yeah. So you can do that. On that, that's that's something that I've uh, been struggling with lately is the the thoughts that that trigger that response. Um, So maybe even you could give me some advice on on that right now. Yeah, Um, of course. Well, I think there two different streams so am I doing this right is like a bit of perfectionism am I going to get in trouble am I screwing up so that one works well with the um, Mm -hmm. with the evidence piece is there any evidence that I don't know what I'm doing right now Mm. no I know what I'm doing right now like if you could think back to a context that that has happened would that have been helpful Yeah. yeah yeah It often is, right? Is there any evidence yeah. that I don't know what I'm doing right now? Yeah. No. Okay, then. <sighs> yeah. Take a deep breath. Right? And yeah. it's like sometimes I tell people, sigh. <sighs> or fake a yawn. Or count the breaths and make sure the exhale, because the exhalations will slow down. Right, where like as soon as I'm fearful and anxious, I'm like not breathing. Right, everything's tight. Where it's like I have Mm. to breathe. Right, yeah. And you're telling it, lizard brain. It's okay. There's no tiger in the room. Okay, right. And even just me doing that for Mm. I don't know what was that like 15 seconds. I can feel that I'm calmer. Right, it's okay. Mm. There's no danger. And sometimes I'll have to say to ego mind like. I'm not in danger. I know what I'm doing. This is not scary. Calm down. The other one I do a lot is um, if you gently rub your fingertips together, can you feel the fingerprints slowly and very lightly? If you do it very slowly and very lightly, yeah, you're calm, right? Can you feel, can you feel mm. how your nervous system just yeah. calmed? I can see it in you. Yeah. Eyes went up. Whew. It's like everything stops. Monkey mind stops, yeah. right? 
<laughs> yeah, it works. Yeah. So this can be a great <laughs> one to just body, Yeah, okay. I'm back yeah. in my body, not in this blah. Who am I? I don't know who oh. I am. Blah. And then um, my sister and I, she, my sister gave me a good one, actually. She said, sometimes when we're getting too chattery about things, and never mind, we say, shh. Do you hear that? Can, can you hear what just happened? Everything, everything stops in the brain. The brain goes, what? You got quiet. Right? It's like thinking just stops. Oh, wow. So if you're in a, like a, if you're on like a negative train, you just go, Shh. Yeah, it's like immediate. It's, it's almost weird. It's like yeah. I should be it's thinking about tricks. something. Yeah. But then that's yeah. where the but magic you can comes feel it, out, right? right? You look calm. Is when you get as in? soon as you even yeah. say that to yourself, Shh. Right? Do you hear that? Yeah. Then, then the brain is like, what? You know, like you're listening in a different way. I feel it in my throughout my entire body. I just feel like a different kind of feeling instead of like an anxious kind of. Where are you right now in your mind or your body? I don't know. It feels different. Demonstrates the point, right? My body. When I'm in the ego, monkey mind, right? Neighbor, no, 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 no. Oh my God. It feels like all very fast. And as soon as I'm like, you know, rubbing my fingertips, pushing my feet into my floor, like back in my body. Oh, long exhale, yeah. right? And then um, yeah. another one I do that I like yeah. a lot when I get a scary thought is I add, and that's okay. I don't know what I'm doing, and that's okay. I might get hit by a car right now, and that's okay. Can you hear how it just takes the power out of what if? What if? Right? What if? What if? What if I get fired? What if the house burns down? Yeah. Oh, the house burns down. If the house burns down, okay, that's okay. I have insurance. I'll go on a mass shopping spree, take a million dollars and buy beautiful things and build it better, right? It's like the brain just doesn't know what to do with that. And it goes, oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah, I might fall on the ice when I get home, and that's okay. I might, you know, you could put in any sort of scary. That person might not want to be in a relationship with me, and that's okay. Because once we come to that place of perfect acceptance, acceptance is the answer to everything. Okay, you might not want to be with me. Okay, well then I'll go find somebody else. It just takes the power out of the ego that's like, because the ego wants to say, that's not okay. And so who am I? That was another one that I'll, um, I'll answer before we go. I don't know who I am yet. And that's okay. Does that help? Does that settle you? I have no idea who I am, and that's totally okay. Because yeah. <laughs> the ego wants to be like, that's not okay. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in five years, Will, and that's totally okay. Because right now in this moment, if I breathe, and I sigh, and I put my fingers in the floor, sometimes I feel the experience of having feet and socks, right? If I really remember, oh yeah, I have feet. Right. Oh yeah, I have a body. I can feel my clothes. I did. I noticed that, <laughs> and that my book dropped on the floor. That's okay. Dropped. We made a That's sound okay. doing a podcast. That's totally okay. That's okay. Doesn't matter. You're so welcome. Okay. Thank you for having me. I Holly, really thank you so much that. for coming on the show. And I'm so honored that, that you asked thank me, and you. I think what you're doing is so cool, Will. Mm. So, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Holly. Really appreciate that.
Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you pulled something valuable out of that and enjoyed this conversation. And Holly, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it and everything that you had to offer here and share. And to you listening to this, if you want to get in contact with Holly, you can reach her at www.hollysmee.com or on her uh, Holly Tree Wellness Practice website at www.hollytreewellness.com or you can reach her at 250-304-9654. And if you want to get into contact with me and again, want to share anything or have something that you want to get out there, some kind of message or just address, you know, the, the issues that are present right now and that we're talking about here, uh, you can reach me at willpowershow at gmail.com or you can reach me on my Instagram page at willwatt. Keep doing you, keep being strong, keep pushing forward. And not to sound all cheesy or anything, but I'm going to right now. Go out there and live your best life. We'll see you on the next episode.